0: Yo, man, boom, it's Rusty. It's Thursday, Thursday, Thursday morning here in fucking New England territory here <laughs> today. Thursday redundancy. Today I have a special guest. You guys know. You guys know, because we're going with this. Because I I went on his show three times. I went on three of his shows in the last, I don't know, few weeks, month, somewhere in there. But I was like, I like this guy. I'm going on his show. I'm going on his other show. I'm going on that other show. I even stayed up past my bedtime to go on his show. So right here, right now, Cian Yong. Just oh, kidding, man. C.N. Young. C.N. Young. It's Sean Young. What's up, dude? How you doing?
1: I'm good, brother. I'm good. It's just another beautiful day in goddamn Maryland. Goddamn Maryland. You, brother. Goddamn Maryland.
0: <laughs> Shit, dude. Yeah, man. Uh, It's so, yeah. I mean, you got, you have three podcasts. You're, you're a three-podcast man. And so you have uh, you have sitting with Sean, you have.
1: So it's all under the umbrella of sitting with Sean.
0: There you go. Okay. All right. That's what, it's, what, what are they here? It's
1: Recover out loud where I talk about mental health disorders, addiction, and like people that are in the field of of recovery or family members. Or friends of people. Um, also I have extraordinary where we just talk to like normal everyday people that are doing cool ass shit with their life or have done cool shit with their life. And then a late night show is kind of like a letterman Leno. You you name it, you throw it on a melting pot, and then you set it on fire. And that's what you get with late night live with Sean.
0: Cool. Uh quick side note. Who is your favorite late-night host? Did we talk about this?
1: We did not. We did we not. Did not. Uh, you know, I didn't really grow up watching it. I know that you did. I didn't really grow up watching it. I lived a sheltered life uh, when I was a kid. But uh, I would, I mean, you know, all the clips that I've seen over time of, you know, some of the late-night hosts, I would have to say Fallon is my favorite because he has a lot of different aspects of his show right it's not it's not just we're going to sit here we're going to talk we'll listen to some music it's like we're doing everything all at once in the span of an hour i love it it's pure chaos
0: full variety full full chaos which yeah, yeah. it's easy to just if those cut away like uh you use the family guy not you but the family guy method can be used of kind of that pure chaos of the, the cutaway to something that kind of makes no sense, but then like, ah, oh, that's fucking good. And sometimes I'll tie into something later, but sometimes it won't, but it doesn't matter because it keeps everyone on their toes. And that's that's important in a late night show where you're trying not to fall asleep when you're watching it. You got keep to the, keep the audience fucking attention. You got to be on that shit.
1: got to keep them engaged.
0: Keep them fucking engaged, man. So then, what what got you doing your shows? I mean, so you what wanted to start with?
1: So I started with uh, Recover Allowed. Really, what started that? I wanted to be a podcaster. Uh, Why? I I wanted essentially, I wanted to get people's story out there, right? Um, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know the platforms to use, I didn't know the equipment to use, any of the software. And I was kind of just out here floating, like not doing anything. All these dreams, all these aspirations, not doing shit. Right. I was doing right. my advocacy work on the side, but I really wasn't on a national level or on a social level at all. And which was uh,
0: what? Sorry. So uh, uh, like, check that. Like
1: like fate, like so I was working, I was working with uh the therapeutic courts which are pretty much like drug courts or any kind of courts where somebody has a mental health disorder or substance use disorder and okay. they, enter, they enter into treatment uh and, and they work on themselves on the back end there's an incentive you do this for you know for yourself your charges will be reduced um i myself went through the program uh in alaska and it helped me out a lot it expunged my record and so you know, in order for me to be able to do what I was doing, I had to give back to my community. So I started working with those participants uh, in Veterans Court. Being a veteran myself, that uh, meant a lot to me. Um, so gave back to the community. I started working for a clinic as well, where uh, where I was helping uh, the homeless out get resources. Uh, you know, substance abuse disorder, pretty much case case management type stuff. Um, but I really I, I wanted to get people's voice out there and get my voice out there uh to let other people know that they're not alone. I just didn't know how to do it. And so I was like, man, what the fuck do I do from here? Right. And uh just so happened I was on TikTok one day. I used to go live and cook dinner and like everything like that. And one of my buddies jumped on there. He's like, dude, you got a marvelous beard. It's like, well, thanks. And him and I start talking, you know, and, and and next thing I know, he's like, hey, you know, you got a voice for podcasting. I was like, yeah, but I got a face my only my mother could love. And he was like, yes, you do. And I was like, well, thanks for the confirmation, bro. I'm a as fuck. But anyways, <laughs> so uh he invited me to be on a on a panel podcast that he has called Clash of the Casters. Uh and we talked about spirituality, supernatural, and like aliens stuff like that. I was like, man, this is super cool. Um, I had so much fun on that. And he's like, do you have a a topic that you want to cover? I was like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, do you have the means? Do you have a computer? Do you have a microphone? I was like, yeah, I do. And he's like, you got all the bare essentials you need. I was like, well, fuck. All right. Well, I don't know what to do. And so he kind of coached me along and. And was like, okay, you need a better microphone. So I got a better microphone. I got the one I'm using now. I've already upgraded, but I just don't have the software for it. Um, And then he's like, okay, um, you know, now you need guests. So I started scheduling guests and I started working on a routine and everything like that. Uh, And Recover Out Loud was born. And I started from the front, shared my story. And now I believe we're on episode 48. I think episode 48 is is being recorded on Friday, and that's pretty awesome. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, and then I moved to Extraordinary, kind of like I did that, and I paired Extraordinary with it a few episodes back. That one's not so deep. Uh, That's only in the teens, but that's because people don't like to talk about themselves, right? Like people outside of the recovery community do not like to talk about themselves and their journey. Uh, so it's hard to find guests to talk about themselves, especially like what I would consider or we consider normal people.
0: Extraordinary, my ass. That's a line from something about Mary. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. So, sorry.
1: so, so that the portion, that show, uh, I wanted to gear toward getting people to share their journey, where they started, uh, what happened to break them into what they're doing now and what they're doing now. And just to really highlight uh human growth and, and and human resiliency because we all face adversity at some point we get to that point where it's either make or break so uh, i wanted to share that with uh you know with the world and whoever would want to hear and then only a few months ago i started doing late night live because i saw I, i'm a part of the anti-social network uh which is like kind of like you you have your network i we have ours and uh they were like hey you know you're doing everything great. You know, most of us go live after 10 and I'm like, fuck. All right, fine. So I I adopted this, this late night live show where it was like, you were going to talk about things that you can't talk about during the daytime. We're going to talk about things that you can't talk about anywhere else. Like my first guest uh, is a good friend of mine and she's a stand up comedian in Philly, but she's also like, she, she has her own podcast called "The Ho on the Go," and then she does a lot of mental health uh, advocacy. So, like we talk, it, it was crazy. We talked a lot about sex and a lot about stand-up comedy and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's pretty wild. This journey has introduced me to some amazing fucking people.
0: Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, yes, yeah, I was talking about this on a podcast a few nights ago, or when I was at. Yeah, two two nights ago, out with a guy who, uh, like, I know him from wrestling. But yeah, he does a lot of other stuff now too. Um, but he's up in Vancouver, and uh, I mean, like, I, I was talking to him. I'm like, I would never fucking met him. Like, where the hell would our paths would have crossed? Like, I don't know. Like, why why would we be friends? But then it's like wrestling. Now it's like podcasting. It's like it's a lot of people I would never fucking know that I would, you know, talk to or be cool with or friends with in a million years. And then it's like, oh, okay, but we all, we're all kind of in this, this group and we have that. And then, you know, it, it makes it all, you know, it makes the world kind of much smaller community and a lot less sectioned, sectioned off than it really is yeah
1: you know, I, pod, yeah i i you know i'm being a fan of wrestling lifelong fan of wrestling you're like the fifth person that i've met that has had a history in in the business or is currently in the business and it's awesome because not only do i get to see like the fans perspective, but I get to see this the perspective behind the curtain that that like a lot of people don't get to see like what it what it looks like you know some of the politics that happened behind the scenes or just you know some of the cool stories like I was talking to this dude Rob wilds he's he founded um, the anti-social network and I, I literally did a shotgun blast of all these different wrestlers I'm like, okay, I'm gonna name a wrestler you tell me what you think of this person because he's worked with almost all of them. And it was pretty cool. It, it was a really cool experience to have because a lot of the perception that we have as fans of a certain wrestler is not who they actually are. So that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, there's yeah, a lot of fucking it brings a lot of people. Not not all of them are great. Um, but, you know, so such as any fucking community within whatever you're in it there's gonna be some some bad apples but then there's gonna be some people that are cool as fuck that you would never known are cool as fuck yeah dude um, like
1: I, I was like i was like yeah dude uh hulk hogan because the first perception in my head is like hulk hogan's a piece of shit because every story that we've ever heard about hulk hogan he's like he's one of the nicest people you ever meet he'll give you a shit off his back I'm like what i what yeah, damn welcome to your brother. <laughs> He'll give you a shirt off his back this while.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, one person's interaction with someone can be a lot different than others, you know. Like I've and you know, also how long that they've been friends with them and stuff. Like uh, I mean, like again, going back to this when I was talking this guy, I was talking with Vancouver Ravenous, Randy Myers, he did a few things with, with Piper. And, uh, and as did I, I'm like, we both couldn't say, you know, enough nice things about him. But then I've also heard people that, you know, worked with him back in the territory days, just saying like that, dude, he was such an asshole and a piece of shit. I fucking, I wanted, I wanted to beat him up, dude. Like, you know, fuck this guy. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, lots of people have lost different experiences and, you know, if, I don't know, if everyone has the same perception of you, like, I don't know how that works. I mean, there's definitely, I mean, there's people that could say that they fucking hate me and there's people that they can say, like, the exact opposite about me, like, um, it's real easy and I mean, like, you know, you can't be friends with everybody, so... I mean, some people are just going to be
1: people are going to people,
0: people are going to people man, you know, it, what one bad experience with someone could be uh, nothing mean nothing to somebody else that has that same experience, yeah. could just be fucking Tuesday for them. But then this was like some one thing that someone did to them that fucking shattered their whole existence. And now they fucking hate that person so I,
1: I think i don't I, I think that everybody should formulate their own opinion of other people based off of their interactions not going off what other people say because that's not the person that you're going to get on the other side of that right and we're all different so right you know i've had great experiences with like cm punk dude and i i right i love cm punk
0: there's Next. a lot of people that say he's a fucking asshole
1: yeah a lot of people and you know what that's that's shit. not your reality
0: That's not your reality dude to him. Like you were, you were saying you talked, or he talked to you for like an hour or four or five minutes or something like that. Just like, that doesn't sound like a fucking asshole. Like, you know, your, your perception is what you fucking have. It's not what someone else does. It's not, it's not the fucking popular person in the room that's going to tell you that's fucking, this is how the person is dude. Fucking, you don't know. you you don't know me. You don't know me. Like, dude, that's a fucking real thing. You don't know me. Like, dude, fucking formulate your own opinion about the person. When you meet them and you find out they're an asshole, call them an asshole. Until then, you don't fucking know them. It's not Mm -hmm. like, dude, even like my best friend said the person's an asshole. They're an asshole. How do you know? How do you know? You trust your best friend. Sure, your best friend's a great fucking person. It's your best friend. But... At the same time, you don't fucking know him. You might fucking think the person is the coolest person in the world.
1: Yep, one of my favorite people, and it's weird to say this because, like, I grew up and I didn't pay much attention to him. But since I actually like got to meet him and sit down and talk with him, I think he's like one of the nicest fucking people in the world. Everybody's experiences are different. Disclaimer: Buff Bagwell. He was the nicest fucking human being I've ever met. One of the nicest human beings I've ever met, and. I got to sit down and talk like recovery with him not on the podcast I'm working on getting that but um he did a, the, a show in Alaska and I I went in, and talked to him I got to give him a, a sobriety coin he just hit like 30 days at that point and I was like fuck yeah dude we, we said yeah. we, we, we talked recovery and and he shared his struggles with wanting to relapse not relapsing and like his tenacity and work in his program. I was like, dude, man, you're fucking, you're doing great work. I guess wild because uh, Rob Wilds, my buddy, knows Marcus and brought my name up to him and like showed me proof that Marcus was like, or Buff Bagwell was like, yeah, I remember him. Like, yeah, I'd love to talk with him again. I was like, dude, that's fucking sick.
0: Yeah. I mean, some experience that you may think isn't, whether you know that whoever they might or you might think is sort of an insignificant event you know really is something that stuck with somebody yeah. and then yeah you never know you never know how much your impact with somebody is or how much someone's impact is with you you know but and then you can you tell someone you're like you know, if you you tell people you're like, "Dude, Buff Bagwell is fucking awesome, dude. I I love that guy." And it, you know, people will be like, "Dude, fuck you. I heard that he's an asshole, dude. He's a piece of shit." Like, who, okay. So, okay, someone else told you that. Like, you don't know. Him. Even if you did know him, you know him, that's how you know him. This is my fucking reality with him. Both both the right, both are right, and it's it's fine. It's there's not both is right is something that it's hard to exist in reputation in 2023, yeah. which is really fucked. Like Someone's either a piece of shit or they're not a piece of shit now. Mm-hmm. And there's not like, oh, you're a piece of shit here, but you're really nice to for as a, this person's perception or you're really a piece of shit in this person's perception, but you're really nice everywhere else. There, There's not that. It's either you're black or white black or white there's no gray area or no both you're both right
1: yeah i like to think of it like this like they have their truth you have your truth and somewhere in the middle is the reality Mm -hmm. and and that's something that we kind of run away from and like uh, another wrestler i had actually i I haven't had really many negative like interactions with wrestlers or celebrities except for chad kroger fuck that guy but (laughs) Well, hold on. Okay, we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, same time I met CM Punk, same day, everything. Uh, I, I actually met the whole roster that day, like literally filed through, met them, talked to them, whatever. One person that I interacted with that I just was like, you don't match the way you talk is John Cena, and I didn't like him. I'm not what a fan. Was-
0: what what was it? Was it sort of a feeling you got, or yeah. was it just just some sort of weird vibe or something?
1: No, so or just
0: so, it didn't click.
1: So um, no, I so at the time I was in the army and they were doing tribute to the troops at Fort Bragg and they were running through and we're in our uniform, right? There's six of us in our uniform to pretty much be chauffeurs for the the roster. So we're meeting them, talking to them, helping them with their bags to the door parking their car for them like that's what we did except for if you roll in on a bus i can't park your fucking bus for you man that was one of them cena rolled in on a bus sat in front of us and like cool whatever man he got out and he walked up shook her hand and walked away being a supporter of the troops right like you would think the dude would sit there and talk to you at least like give some time and we're talking it's it's not even showtime like We're talking four, five, six hours before the show. The dude didn't stop. Vince McMahon of all fucking people came over, beelined it for us, came over. Like he pulled in in a limo on the other side of the parking lot, beelined it over to us and sat there, shook our hand and thanked us for what we did. Not that I'm looking for, you know, for that, but like he sat there and and humanized with us, became human, broke that barrier. Of inhumanity and and celebrity and like came and met with us on a personal level. And Cena didn't do that. He was just like not even eye contact. He was just like and walked. And I was like, Yeah, I don't I don't like him. And it, it was just very off-putting for me. Now, I mean, who knows? I can meet him tomorrow. I'm not gonna say I, I am, but I can meet right. him tomorrow and I could have completely different experience that could change my perception of him as a as a, a person. I like his work, but it could it could change my perception of who he is as a person.
0: Um, that was weird. Um, yeah, and I mean, one other instance can change stuff really fast. And yeah, I mean, and maybe it was just an off day. And I mean, but maybe maybe he is just in your uh, experience just kind of a prick who knows man like and it's you know everyone has their own reality like uh, and I mean you could be at the same place someone could be sitting right next to you and have a completely different experience than what what you experienced and see a different thing than you experienced um, like I, I have a friend and he said like If you're ever going to commit a crime of some sort, don't do it away from people. Don't do it like, you know, uh, hidden away somewhere where you'll have maybe one or two witnesses. Go somewhere in a big crowd where there's, you know, thousands of people. They're going to get a thousand different accounts of what happened. And because, I mean, yeah, just one person's opinion is not one person's opinion is fucking damning. But a thousand people's opinions are all over the place and very inconclusive. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. If you're going to do crime, you guys listen to fucking the public access podcast. We'll tell you how to do crime.
1: How to do all the
0: crimes. Yeah. And I don't know, man. It's fucking. Yeah. It's real easy to let someone else tell you how someone is so you know i don't know i don't know like because i'm also someone who you know i don't know i'm not i'm not a second chance guy too much usually i'm like i'll give you the benefit of the doubt until until uh no you don't <laughs> you don't and then i'm like yeah i'm good um, Sometimes I do second chances, but you know, like eventually I had to be like, dude, okay. Second chance is all right. And I'm okay with that. And I'm okay doing second chances now. Like it was, it was a hard one. Cause so I'm like, you know, I might just have a fucking bad, someone's having a bad day and I meet them on the wrong fucking day. And, uh, you know, it was like, okay. Yeah. That was, I didn't like it. That day. And I tell people I don't like them too. I don't have a problem doing that. I, you know, I'll tell them to their face if I don't like them. If, if people don't, if I don't like someone, they know I don't like them. There's, there's like no question about it. Yeah. And I don't know, man. Yeah, if I end up having a good experience with them next time, I can change, man. Whatever. And. It's just how it is. But you know, like, I'm not going to say someone else, like, dude, this person's the greatest person in the world. But like, okay, cool. Good. Great. That's your, your experience with them. I don't like them, but I can't like them. We're, we're both right. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: I, I'm, I'm the type of, I'm kind of different, though. Like, for me, uh, I give people umpteen chances. If they burn bridges, I'll build that bridge back. Right. Like I'll, I'll, I'll lay the planks down and lay the foundation down. So other people can, you know, so we can make that connection again. And that has bit me in the ass a lot of times. It's also been very fortunate because I, I believe that people have the capacity to change. So.
0: Yeah, I do uh, it, too.
1: It sucks sometimes Much. when you, when you watch people that you, you're like, man, I really hope it works for you this time. And then it fucking doesn't because he didn't change. It's, yeah. Here we go. Right back to the same person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, if they they want to, they can, yeah. They'll 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 come around when they're ready. And if they're not, they're not. And that's fine. That's you just have to kind of take it at face value what it is. That's where they are right now. That's what they're doing right now. There's nothing you can do about it. They're gonna do what they they're gonna do. So, you know, no, no reason to like feel bad about it. Just People like, are going
1: to people.
0: People are going to fucking people, dude. So let, let people people for a bit. And, you know, they'll if they want to come back, they'll come back. They'll come back. If not, they're going to people. They're still going to fucking do what they're going to do. There's no reason to you know, cry over spilled milk or whatever. That's just, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe I got jaded at some point. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I definitely have tried your approach, and it didn't work for me. And I was like, you know what, not gonna work. So I'll try something else and see how it works.
1: I want to cry through <laughs> spilt milk.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know. So sometimes, dude, sometimes you gotta fucking go to the store and fucking buy that second milk cart or second carton of milk or bag of milk if you live in fucking canada or Canadian. iowa or something they have in iowa. bags of milk yeah yeah in iowa they have bags of milk um so like they you buy a bag of milk and you put it in like a pitcher like a uh like the thing you put kool-aid like kool-aid and yeah. you put milk in there sometimes you take it out of the bag sometimes you don't but right. yeah you put it in a pitcher uh First time I saw that was when I went to Toronto in, like, 2005. I was just fucking blown away. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, you got milk in a fucking... In a bag?
1: Please please tell me that came from a sow, not a bull. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. Like, the fucking uh, kingpin, man. Dude, those fucking... The Fairley brothers had a good fucking run in movies for a bit. They had they had a good four or five movies that were just like really hit. I mean, they had. I'll give them at least three that were just fucking knockouts. Uh, I mean, uh, like Dumb and Dumber, Kingpin, and there's something about Mary. Like all three of those, I think all came out within like two or three years, and like all three of those, they fucking, they were hitting shit right on for a bit, dude. Yeah. Some some of their stuff lately hasn't. I mean, it, they did what they did. They're they're, they don't need to do much else, but they can experiment some. But I mean, they they really hit their stride then. That was their their peak. There were still some others after that that were still pretty funny. Um, but I mean, right there, they fucking. They were on, dude,
1: I still quote dumb and dumber
0: all the time, man pretty much all, all the, time. the and it's it's like almost a thirty year old movie uh next year next year it will be thirty years old, I and to, uh,
1: I go to restaurants, i look at my girlfriend and I was like what shoot what what soup to she's like that soup day. I was like, I'll have that,
0: yeah, right, and dude, I mean yeah yeah. <laughs> it's it's so good, it's so good, and I mean, yeah, just as wild that that was that long ago. I got and, a, and the a lot of it was filmed in salt Salt Lake City, which was weird too. Yeah. I went and saw some of the spots um but then, yeah, a lot of it was filmed in Colorado, like by the parts that were supposed to be um what is it? Uh, Rhode Island, I, I guess where they were from it was Salt Lake City, because, yeah, which was weird. Yeah, weird. yeah and then, yeah, but so like some of the lodges were, yeah, there, and some were in Colorado. But I had no clue it was filmed there in Utah. But, um, yeah, man, fucking, next year we're thirty years old. I went and saw that movie, at the fucking lake theater it was like this old little shitty theater with really shitty seats they had three three cinemas in there i saw it with my mom in the theater and uh dude yeah it was fucking great i was loving it i was I don't know, 11 or 12 years old shit was fucking i was like yeah because i i went and saw uh i mean i saw ace ventura the year before but then, you know, uh, and then, yeah, I was a big In Living Color fan. That was one thing that was cool. Because um, In Living Color would come on right after Married with Children um, on Sunday nights. And so, yeah, that was cool. My parents let let us watch, because uh, my parents really liked Married with Children, so they'd watch, watch that with us and then they they weren't really into living color but uh the kids would all stay up and watch that shit and then that was that was good and that show was still fucking hilarious dude i i go back and watch that a lot That was yeah talking about fucking 90s shit you guys 1990s you guys remember the 90s
1: the 90s were the time the late 1900s um. yeah
0: <laughs> dude yeah 1999 uh, fucking was peak dude
1: yeah the late 1900s we were great uh <laughs> fucking but uh, nah man so like it's crazy i i growing up I, I had two different dynamics right like so i grew up in this air, like this area of maryland where it's predominantly mennonite which is like a step above amish right we had tv but like not very much of it uh craziness madness uh i was a i wasn't allowed to watch very much on tv but what i did watch was very g-rated e- even up until i was about 10 and then like i moved on, in with my dad to pennsylvania and it was like we're gonna take that and remove that barrier you're gonna watch everything i swear i had where i seen madonna naked for the first time right sure uh i mean dude i Fucking craziness, madness. Like, I see my first horror movie and like fell in love with horror movies, you know, with my dad. That's where I learned the love of pro wrestling, not just Hulkamania Macho Madness. Uh, craziness, madness. So, yeah, I mean, my late 90s, early 2000s were great, but before then was kind of, I didn't know shit about it. Fuck.
0: So, were you a better night? I was wow okay so what was that like have oh. you talked about i'm curious about this man uh because i had when i was living in um northern idaho there were some mennonites up there and um and then yeah so i mean because like they're not yeah not not quite amish but like sort of in between so yeah, what was been, that like?
1: Well, I've been to a lot of different extremes for religion. So I've been Mennonite, Pentecostal, Apostolic, and non-denominational. Now I'm Norse pagan. Anyways, off of that, am uh, uh, not Sorry, uh, Mennonite was pretty crazy. Uh, I mean, not too, not too crazy. So. I mean, we had the bare necessities. You know, we had a car. Obviously, you can't drive to D.C. in a fucking horse and buggy. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, we, so we had a car. Um, we had, you know, I mean, we 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 cooked with gas and electric. Uh, we didn't slaughter our own, our own animals. <laughs> we didn't make our own clothes. We shopped at Walmart. Um, but there was a, a definite style of dress And definite way that we acted in public versus at home. Uh, my, My grandparents were Sunday morning Mennonites.
0: Which means they just, they go on Sunday morning and the rest of the time they're not practicing.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is my big problem with religion now is uh and one of my biggest problems for a long time is the sunday morning christian sunday morning catholic mentality or uh, men- mentality um you got to practice what you preach but uh well, yeah they- catholic crazy yeah yeah, oh, that is-
0: yeah I, I grew up yeah i grew up catholic and i mean like the fact that you can do wild shit like whatever the fuck and then go sunday morning fucking repent for your fucking sins you're all good all is forgiven like what the fuck what the fuck kind of message is that like you're a catholic whatever you guys i'm gonna make fun of you a little bit because i grew up that way and that's how i do that's how i deal with shit but um (laughs) dude it's fucking crazy it's crazy you can do that it's such a fucking wild wild method of how to live your life like i mean yeah you should be doing this you should be doing stuff all the time you should be acting like what you're fucking preaching uh you know one very small fraction of the week of your life yeah yeah so i'm sorry
1: no 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 it's okay and like so uh i went from that perspective there there was a lot that was going going on behind closed doors that a lot of people didn't know about and if they knew about i'm pretty sure we would have been removed from the house not anything like sexual or anything like that, but like borderline abuse, pretty much. Uh, and then flip that. When I lived with my dad, I went to apostolic church, which is just like a step down from Catholicism. Right. Right. Um, it's very much who, you know, and what, you know, uh, it's, it's ve- it was very much uh white collar church. Um,
0: who knows you not now who, you know,
1: yeah, who knows you? Much. Who knows you? Yeah,
0: who who can vouch for you?
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, a majority of the people that held positions in the church were very rich and owned their own businesses, and like it was, it was, it was bad. Uh, there was a time where I was looking for acceptance, couldn't find it, and uh, I knew that I would never find it, and so uh, moved back with my grandparents, and they went from Mennonite to Pentecostal, right. So two completely different extremes. Yeah. Pentecostal is like pretty much the televangelist um, that you'd see and they're dancing around, speaking in different languages, speaking in tongues, you know, long services, hours.
0: Did you go to these? I did. How was that?
1: Uh, I felt accepted. Uh, Really, I did. Uh, I felt like I had a purpose. I actually got to a point where I wanted to be a pastor. And I was going to go to Bible school for it. Then I joined the Army.
0: Well, why did you? So, why did you join the Army and not become a a pastor?
1: That's a story. Uh, So, uh, this was after 9 11, but 9 11 happened, and uh, I lived with my dad, and I said I wanted to be a Marine, and I wanted to be a Marine because my grandfather was a Marine. Uh, I wanted to serve and do all the stuff, not necessarily live the glory, but because I didn't know what it meant, but you know, to live in the ocean. Yeah, pretty much something like that. Um, So I ended up moving in with my grandparents uh, from my dad's house and I started like (laughs) stepping into what I felt like was my purpose in life. And I told my dad, I want to be a pastor. I don't want to be in the military at all. And he was like, fuck, no, you're going to sign a contract for the army because you need structure in your life. And I was like, what? Like, Wow. Right. So uh, 17th birthday, and between 17 and 18, my dad drove from Pennsylvania down here to Maryland and picked me up and drove me to the recruiting station and said, you're going to pick a branch. And I was like, fuck. So I really didn't have an out. There was no out for me.
0: And you were 17, you said?
1: Yeah, I was 17. And wow. essentially what he said was, you're either going to sign a contract for the military or I'm going to kick you. Like, like I'm going to disown you from the family. You won't have a family.
0: Holy shit.
1: Yeah. And I was like, oh, dude, this sucks. Right? So I'm like, I'm, I'm literally stuck between a rock and a hard place. Something I don't want to do versus lose my family.
0: Right, and which so, is something you probably don't want to do either.
1: No, I mean my mom. My mom wasn't a part of my life. She left when I was 11. Uh, I've had many people in my family leave or die, and it was just like, I don't want to fucking lose what I have. Right. So right. went went in, and the, there was two two offices open. There was the Navy and the Army, and uh I went into the Navy first, and they were like let's see if you're smart enough to join the Navy. And in my brain, I was like, I'm already not going to join because you didn't receive me with like, what do you want to do? Right. And so I took the pre, there's an ASVAB test. So it's pretty much like a placement test. Like you would take for school. There's a placement test for the military. And it pretty much gives you like a raw score. What It would look like if you actually took the, the, the real test and was able to go through everything like that. I took it. They said, this is what you scored. You did good. And I was like, well, fuck you. I don't want to impart of you. And so I went to the army next. I literally got to the door, stepped inside and the recruiter was like, what do you want to do with your life? And I was like, that's what I'm looking for.
0: And he said, I want a rock.
1: <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> I'm done. With that's it. the second
0: time I, I, I busted that out though. Like, In the last few days um i'm sorry uh i couldn't help it dude i'm like oh he said he said it um but uh so he said what do you want to do with your life and what was your answer
1: i said i don't know i said i'm 17 i don't know
0: what 17 year old does know
1: exactly i didn't i didn't know because one i'd never grew up with guns my grandfather was a Marine, and in that time frame, you either got the warmongering Marine or the I'm terrified of everything because my PTSD is so bad Marine, and that's the category my grandfather fit in, and so uh, we didn't have, I didn't grow up with guns, I didn't grow around them, I didn't grow up with around weapons, uh, yeah, none of that, so I said, I don't know, I don't know what the fuck I want to do. And so uh, the recruiter was like, all right, you know, we're going to give you this, this pre-test. I know you did it for the Navy, but you're going to do it here. We're going to run through what, like, projected options you have so we can get you prepared when you actually go take the test. And so I did. I scored pretty well. And I had a whole bunch of things open. What they didn't do for the, pre, the pre-test was they didn't tell you how hard the actual fucking test was. Um, so I went from here to Baltimore. And or Fort Detrick, which is like right, or no Fort Meade, which is like right by Baltimore. And I took the big one, big test, and that was in April. And um, took the big test, and I didn't do so well on it. But they placed me. They they pretty much were like, you can be infantry, you can be artillery, you can be cav scout, you can be all these different things. What do you want to be? I didn't want to go and fight. Like that was my thing. I said I don't want to lay hand, hands on a weapon. I think my mindset was like I'm I'm terrified of like getting shot at, right? Because everything you hear, you get shot at, you're gonna die, right? And so I was like, I don't want to do that. And they're like, All right, well, here's this option for forward observer. And I said, Well, what would i be doing there? And they said, oh you'll sit in an office in in New York City and you'll watch bombs drop on the TV. I'm like. Yes, that's what I want to do. Um, so I signed my contract. I ended up moving up with my dad for the last few months before I left for basic training. And it was just all out madness. Um, try, he was trying to get me into shape, even though he'd never been in the Army. And so I left. I went to basic airborne school. So airborne school, for you guys that don't know, it's like training you how to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. And like how to fall and how to follow and do you know, follow-on assault, stuff like that. Um, A lot of the D-Day stuff and a lot of stuff that isn't relevant to warfare now. Um, And so did that, uh, ended up getting stationed in Italy um, and then Fort Bragg and then Alaska. And uh, that was all the active airborne units. So done a whole bunch of jumps all over the place and deployed four times to Afghanistan and In that time, dude, I started questioning my, like, what I believed in, right? As far as what? Like, religion. And it wasn't up until probably I got to Alaska that I started honing in on uh, what I actually believe in, right? At one point, I was like, I'm just an open book. I'm going to look at all these different religions, and I'm going to see what they have to offer. And then I'm going to see where I feel like I fit in. So I went, you know, Catholicism, Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism uh, or Hindu, um, Satanism, atheism, uh, fucking Norse pagan, Wicca, all these other different religions, dude, or like, yeah, religions, I should say. And then I got to this point where, like, I, I was like, man, all of them to some degree are filled with bullshit. Like all of them, to some degree, I feel bullshit. But I got to pick and choose what I, what I believe in, and take the best out of all of them and apply them to my life. And so, like now, I, I say I'm Norse pagan, but I feel like I'm more of like a universal or universal mindset of different, of little picking a little bit of everything from what I like, and and applying it to my life. I I predominantly say I'm Norse pagan because believe in the Norse gods. Uh I, I I practice rune reading, stuff like that. But yeah.
0: Yeah. So what was the event where you said I need to start questioning what I believe in? I mean, was there something that just or was it just a gradual thing over time? You just, you know, I, I you have that fucking itch and you're like, man, I don't right, know, man. What 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 am I?
1: Um who yeah. who am I? We got we got into a really bad firefight and uh one so when people think of a bad firefight uh, outside of the you know military or whatever, like don't have exposure to it, I don't know what you guys think about when you think of a really bad one. Where it could be like people dying everywhere or whatever. It's not what happened. We were literally pinned down inside of vehicles on a road where one side was a cliff, the other was a a mount, a mountain. And they were shooting at us down into the trucks from the mountain, uh, and so. Uh, Our first truck got hit by an RPG. Second truck uh, was an automatic grenade launcher. Uh, Those, when the dust gets kicked up, it gets into the feed chain, feed tray, and it makes it so that the gun isn't operable. So that gun went out. And so I was in the third truck and uh, we had a missile on top of it, but we also had a a squad automated weapon, or automatic weapon. My gunner spun around when he spun around a bullet hit, went inside and lodged in the feed tray. And so he couldn't shoot. So that's three vehicles down out of five and the last two are shooting. And so as he's as he spun around and the, the bullet hit and he couldn't fire, he's like, hey, I can't shoot. I the gunner's area has this uh, has this um, like swing seat almost. So we I unclip it so he can come down to get to safety so he's not. So he, he's not exposed to to any you know rounds coming in. So boom, I clip him. He comes down. I pull him down. I hand him my weapon, my M4, so he can he can shoot out the of the vehicle. And he's shooting. And as I'm sitting here, I'm looking up, and it looked like a hornet's nest inside of inside of the uh, the turret. And I, I just thought to myself, one stray round will fucking end me, right? And that's right. where that's ultimately where I was like. I don't know what's out there. I I don't know who's up there watching out for us. I don't know none of that. Um, Luckily in that firefight, nothing happened. Nothing serious happened to anybody. Nobody got injured. Nobody got killed. So that was good. But like, I just started thinking to myself, like, what do I believe in? Who do I believe in? And shortly after that is when I opened myself up. Now, there was an event in like 2012 that I was just like, fuck whoever's out there. I don't care. I don't want no part of them. And I was just like, hands up. What was that? Oh man, Uh, okay. Uh, So 2012, once again, we were deployed and uh, we were in Southern Afghanistan in Kandahar province. And we had just started a week long mission. It was like literally probably an hour and a half. We were supposed to cover a certain amount of area but we are gonna walk um, that area. And so that so uh, for those of you that don't know a lot about Afghanistan, that's where the that's where the home of the Taliban is. Uh, but in that province alone, Kandahar province is the birthplace of the Taliban, where they started, where they uh, started their reign of terror and spread out through all of Afghanistan, and where a lot of the major conflicts have happened. But it's also the home of like where IEDs, improvised explosive devices, are made and perfected. So. Uh, We start walking, we start walking, and we get to this section where we could either go straight through a field, which is tactically not smart. You don't want to leave yourself unexposed. Uh, Or sorry, you don't want to leave yourself exposed uh, with no cover. Or we could go through this field that has a compound surrounding it where there's an entrance and an exit. Uh, But we, we know that there's a lot that could go wrong in that time frame. And so uh, we had somebody that was my best friend and he was a, um, pretty much he carried a metal detector and he would scan the ground to make sure that there was no IEDs. Guy behind him wouldn't mark a path so we all walked in a straight line, you know? And so, you know, my buddy's clearing the path, clearing the path, he gets a hit at on the other end of the compound on the exit part of it. And he gets a hit. It's like, zzz, but he didn't catch it in time. And when he swept over it, he took a step forward. Boom. And uh, I fucking
0: holy shit.
1: Yeah, yeah. We, I, I was outside the compound. We hadn't even made it in, but we heard the boom, felt the concussion, seen the smoke, and we all ran. And we got up there, and that is a scene that I have had to work through my whole life to be okay with, um, I'm okay now to talk about it, but then I wasn't, um, you know, we walked on him and he was missing both of his legs and one of his arms was gone. Uh, the other arm was shattered. Um, everything about that instant I can remember with vivid clarity. Uh, sure. It, it, it was, it was a rough scene. Um, you know, his legs and his arms look like 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 if you took a piece of meat from a bone and shredded it with a fork. Um, the smell of burning flesh was just fucking astronomical. Like, I can pick that out of any scent in the world. I can pick out gunpowder out of any scent in the world. Uh, any of it. Like, you, you just give me a small little hint, and I'm like, that's it. Um, yeah. And just everything about that scene I remember with Vivid Clarity. And um, so that started circulating in my mind: the the fuck, whatever, whoever's here. And part of my humanity kicked in. So, I the medic was working on him, trying to keep him alive. Unfortunately, he was alive. He was. He was. He lived. Whoa. Well, well, he lives for a short period of time. Okay. Uh, he was in shock, but he he was alive. Um. And so I we have gun teams, which carry the heavy weapons. And so we put one guy, one team in the front of the building, one in the back. And I walked out the side of the building or the structure to make sure nobody was coming up on the side to do a follow on attack. And I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, there's a wall right here, a field right here. And I'm like, fuck it. If I step on something, I'm the next person going. So I stopped. And as I stopped, there's a guy you know, a lot of people aren't around during these times and the people that are around are suspect. So dude, there's this guy in all white, he had prayer beads in his hands and he's walking down this pathway. And I pulled my weapon up and I literally put it on his fucking forehead and everything in me was screaming, pull the goddamn trigger. And I was that close. And um, when he looked up And he looked at like, it it was literally like he's staring down the barrel of, of, of gun and he's looking at me and I could see the the terror in his face. And I lowered my weapon. I said, go. And he ran. And that to me was the hardest fucking thing to do. And and that got in my mind. And I was like, you know, fuck whoever's out there. I don't care. I was like, you took my best friend from me. Fuck you. I don't want to pee any part of you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so, I mean, that can change a lot. Um, and I mean, I think that can come with anyone who has had you know, any sort of experience with that, whether it being people that are protecting or, uh, or, you know, protecting or even people that are in some sort of you know, someone's come into their house and you know, uh, and killed someone or um, or shot someone or. Um, it makes people think a lot differently, like when because you, and that's not really something that's really brought up very much. That it's just everyone should be on like this one certain path and you know like it's real easy to say, oh you know, like you should be trained to be able to uh, always be very calm at this part, but when you've had someone, you have that fucking you have that like dude you fucking killed revenge. one of my one of my best friends you have that revenge thing in your head like. I mean, that's got to be going through a lot of people's heads, like, often of just, dude, like, you're fucking, you killed, like, my friend, like, is it going to happen again? Like, is, am I going to be next? Is my friend going to be next? Like, and I mean, yeah, it's a lot easier to say, like, dude, like, don't do that. Don't do that. Like,
1: yeah, fucking try going
0: through it and fucking say, don't feel that way.
1: Yeah, a lot of like, people don't understand like when you're in those situations of, of I guess the best way I could I could I could say is give life or take life is there's a thousand things going through your brain, you got to pick out the ones that that matter, right? So like what was going through my brain, it was literally like like shotgun blast, by back and forth was uh was 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 end of you don't know what he's done uh, on this side. It was, it was, he took your friend next on this side. It was, you don't know if he has a family, you know, and, and like, literally there, were, there was sides fighting back and forth. And uh, you know, ultimately I decided like, I don't know if he did it or not. I mean, if he did, Hey, he got away, he got away. But if he didn't, like he gets to live another day. And yeah. And if I was on the other side of that, and somebody was doing that to me and they looked at me on hope that they would show the same grace you know and so yeah that's essentially like the the thought that thoughts that were going through my head at a thousand miles an hour that was one of the hardest things i've ever had to fucking do was be like
0: and so how many other people were around you at that point
1: oh well at that point it was just me and him uh there was the gun team was literally right there and they were like you should be taking him I said I didn't have a weapon on him. that would have been a war crime I would have been in jail um uh, even though I felt like I would have been justified it was a war crime yeah. yeah she was right or wrong, and um so yeah it was it was three of us there and then on the other side of the wall is about was about 10 people uh, Two, three medics that were working on on my friend, trying to keep him alive, and then uh, there's a few other people that were providing security inside. So yeah, it was it was a chaotic scene.
0: Oh shit. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's another one of those. You know, a lot of people have different experiences from different perspectives, yeah. and you know, one person's experience. I mean. You know, maybe the guy you fucking let live, like, maybe he went and told his friends, like, everyone else is like, dude, fuck fuck these Americans coming over. They're fucking killing my family. But it's like, you know, dude, hey, this guy, man, he had me fucking lined up, dude, ready to fucking blow my fucking head off. And you know what? He said, fucking go. Like, they're not all that bad. Yeah. They're not all, everyone's got different experiences with people.
1: Yeah. It was, it was definitely one of the more, life-altering decisions that I've made in my, in my life.
0: Yeah. So did that lead you to think more about your beliefs of, uh, what, you know, that took you to your, what you believe now, as far as, uh, you know, you said you're mostly, uh, Norse pagan but a little bit of everything is that, did that take you more towards that after you had that or was it I mean where, where did that take you for as far as that goes
1: oh man it, it, it absolutely deteriorated any belief that I had in anything because like you know the common thought that people have like if there is a god or a higher power why would he let something so bad happen you know and I was like fuck it I don't want any part of it right but I feel like, I feel like humanity, we have to have something to believe in, right? Uh, it's better to believe in something and be wrong than to believe in nothing. And you don't know, right? Um, shit, I could believe in Odin and I could be wrong. When I die, who fucking knows? Yeah. But the, the reality is, is that we don't know what's out there. So uh, a few years passed and I started like really researching different things. I started stepping into the Viking you know, the Viking belief. I didn't know what it was called. I was like, I'm a fucking Viking, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, all the sayings, you know, Tilba, Hala, Skull, uh, all of them. And I, you know, it really didn't dawn on me that, yeah, Vikings were these fucking ferocious, ferocious warriors, right? We know them as some of the most badass motherfuckers to ever face, you know, be on the face of the planet with, along with like Spartans. But what we don't know is what they were like in peacetime. And in peacetime, they were some of the most loyal human beings to ever live. They were some of the most kind, hearted human beings to ever live. They were very versatile. They overcame adversity, a lot of it. They tailored the way that they lived based off the climate. And that's what I really fixated on was – you know, the creed of, or, you know, the heart of Odinism, which is what I, I believe in, is that it pretty much says we don't bend our knee in supplication. So it means uh, I'm not going to get on my knees to pray to a God I don't believe in or the gods. Um, you know, it also says that uh, I don't ask my gods for free shit. It doesn't say that, but it's it right. about way. Like, I don't ask my gods for free shit. I ask them for the strength to accomplish something. And uh, it also, you know, it talks about being pretty much the heart and soul of your family, being the provider. And I, I really believe in that. You know, we fight for what we want, what we believe in, uh, and we fight for what we need. And that's pretty much what I've done a whole life. I fought for what I needed, fought for what I wanted, and um, I got it. I don't need the world. I don't want the world. I'm just my little slice my little slice of 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 land is what i want
0: and i mean do you mean do you mean land metaphorically or metaphorically, do you mean? yeah okay
1: yeah not, okay no i'm not going to go to my neighbor and start you start. know
0: I mean, if you want to you can you know i, I mean,
1: you didn't hear you to. didn't
0: hear it first here on the public access podcast <laughs> um
1: FBI is going to come looking for me on the public access podcast.
0: Right. Have you ever gone up to any uh, Scandinavian countries or gone to, I guess, if you want to go to the American version of that, have you ever been to uh, Minnesota or fucking Wisconsin <laughs> Newfound- or New North Dakota? Or, yeah, or uh, yeah.
1: I have been to Minnesota. Uh, I have been to Wisconsin, but I've only driven through them. Um, I really, really want to go to Norway. Um, I want to go to uh, Greenland and Iceland. Um, per, I, I want to go to Iceland because of yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of like the motherland in a way. A. Leif Erikson went and, and settled settled Iceland, but I want to go there because it is all healthy living. Um, I don't know if you've ever looked into like the way that 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 they live on iceland but they live off of geothermal energy their whole country is
0: yeah uh i've definitely looked into that i'm a i'm a very big uh hot spring guy and i fucking it sucks here uh on the east coast as far as hot springs like man living in uh dude like fuck in uh one of my favorite ones I've been to was in in Idaho, man. Uh and I went there a whole bunch. It's actually where I ended up uh burying our our one of our cats and uh dude, I fucking I I love the geothermal shit, dude. It's fucking it's something I don't know, not otherworldly, but sort of and like the fact that they're not using more of the geothermal energy is more just to heat these waters as opposed to what else they could really be doing especially at the place you know like iceland or like fucking idaho dude like you know why not use that energy to be able to do so much with it it's free fucking energy and fuck i love hot springs dude like that was so yeah i was looking at places uh to move to, I mean, one of them, like, I I love high desert and hot springs and like, they both kind of go hand in hand, dude. Like New Mexico, I was checking out a lot of places there and, um, you know, kind of, yeah, Arizona, uh, some other parts of Utah, Nevada, um, you know, Idaho, Montana, like, dude. Yeah. Or yeah, fucking. So yeah, like one of the places looking at going was Iceland to go go on vacation like go chill out there and just hang out in the fucking geothermal pools all fucking day man and maybe maybe do the back and forth thing that they like to do where they go from that into the freezing cold fucking water and then back into there um maybe once i don't like cold
1: so iceland they actually use geothermal energy to power a lot of their cities right and and i found that super awesome you know you're you're tapping into natural resources that are that are being developed underneath your feet right to power power the city it's clean energy and and stuff like that and then not to mention like a lot of the restaurants there go and pick their own food right they if they're serving meat they're going to go hunt their meat you know they're going to get their own crops they're going to grow their own crops i find that to be super awesome it's very resourceful very clean not to mention like they have some of the cleanest air that you can that you can have and some of the cleanest water i I learned a lot and it's crazy who i learned a lot from when it comes to iceland there's a show on netflix it's called down earth and it has zach efron in it and i i grew a huge respect for zach efron for this show uh, because he kind of dropped the Hollywood status and just went and started looking into different things looking into water and what's the best water and found out that a lot of the bottled water we drink today is shit it's terrible for us
0: look at fucking nestle how much nestle is fucking nestle nestle basically owns the five lakes the five great lakes Yeah. and yeah yeah so i'll go ahead i'm sorry i just found uh,
1: out yeah found out that purified water is terrible for you considering you know what what you know commercialism says that it's best, it's the best water for you. It eliminates and dilutes the water to the point where you're not getting the natural minerals minerals you need in your body,
0: yeah, um, I mean, like yeah, you know, what people drink in fucking Europe, they can drink half a glass of water and be hydrated, whereas the same thing we have to drink at least a gallon and we're still fucking thirsty,
1: yeah, yeah absolutely and so you know he did that and he went and, and and went to to group to iceland and looked at the geothermal energy he went and uh down to to puerto rico where after the hurricane had happened he helped some lady like himself literally himself help build help this lady rebuild her house and i so i gained a lot of respect for him yeah Uh, but that really kind of opened my eyes to to like the way that we have lived for all this time, you know, where where society has kind of told us what is healthy and what looks healthy, and now this more healthy lifestyle and like and like what it could be. And so yeah. I think it's awesome.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, it's really dumb that we're not using even the place to have these fucking geothermal fucking hotbeds, um, not fucking utilizing them, even like fucking. You know uh you know like old faithful and shit like around there dude like they're not using any fucking geothermal shit to power anything they got all of it you fucking want dude right there and it's just yeah fucking yeah. nothing it's so
1: but going into like the universal thought process i believe in like a lot of different things like i mean i, I believe in the norse gods and all that but also i believe in like cheat, like you know um, yeah channeling chi and stuff like that I believe like I believe there's a lot that we don't understand about ourselves and about our bodies and so once we're able to tap into that like uh, I guess the first time I did it was when I was in uh, I was doing yoga and meditation uh, for my brain and I just my hand was just like hot right like just super fucking hot and I went to my my yogi and I was like what what the fuck is going on I put my hand and I and she went like this and she was like she's like you're harnessing your chi literally she felt it like this far away and she was like you're harnessing your chi and I was like oh what the fuck does that mean (laughs) and she she, she started you know telling me about chi and how it works and and, like, I didn't know that you could heal people with chi. I didn't know that you could. There's a lot you can do with chi. A lot of people don't realize. And so, yeah, I started working on chi, but I also believe in like some of the more um, spiritual characteristic aspects of like how people live their life.
0: I mean, and that's what that it's a dog. I can't hear the dog. It's not oh, picking up good. on my end. So, good. dude, you're doing something good with your fucking. I got set up there.
1: Two doors closed. We're good.
0: Okay. Two, yeah. Two door rule. Yeah, well, it's working. I, I don't know if it's picking up on your side, but whatever it's recording here on there is, I'm not hearing a fucking thing. So that's what really matters. Like, they can bark all they fucking want, dude. They can fucking bark all fucking day, dude. It doesn't bark matter. Bark to the moon. Yeah, bark to the fucking moon, dude. And um, yeah, man, it's like, it's another thing too, like going back to with people, like as far as your beliefs, like there's not one fucking right one, and like you might have a different experience than what I have. Both are right, like and you fucking do it, dude. Like it's, yeah. I mean, everyone has their own experience with different things, different perspectives from different things, and good good luck trying to fucking convince someone of your own. Um, unless you're an influencer, uh, then then you can then all bets are off dude yeah. and uh you got people fucking listening to you and we'll think that way but you know deep down their subconscious they have their fucking preconceived notions about whatever and their fucking learned beliefs about whatever
1: bro who knows like who is right because at the end of the day we could just be on the set of that movie skyline where aliens are god and they suck us up into this fucking ship and take us away
0: right yeah who knows man like earlier uh, like uh there was a south park episode where it's called canceled and they uh yeah the aliens are kind of they've been they decide they're gonna you know each each planet has their own fucking thing like a you know a planet full of uh, a planet full of cats a planet full of zebras a planet full of humans a planet full of um you know whatever and it's like let's put them all on one planet and let's let's watch this this show and make it a reality show about all these different things living together and you know uh, um but there was a part in there too where the, spoiler alert for the south park episode there's a part where like so they're the whole thing was that they were going to cancel the show and so then they like you know blow up the earth and it would be over and, and everything but they end up uh one of them takes pictures of these aliens doing some fucking weird shit to each other and uses it as, as blackmail and i think i think that is what Trey Parker and Matt Stone have on Hollywood, and the reason they can do a lot of the shit they they can do, I think they have that picture of something. That's my that's my fucking wacky ass theory about that shit. But I I think that might be they might you know might be telling us a little something with that one, that. But I don't know. I, who fucking knows? But yeah, man, like, who knows at the end of the day what the fuck this is? Who knows right now what the fuck it is? Who knows what it's gonna be tomorrow? Who knows what what of our past? Like we know that's fucking accurate or factual. Yeah. Who you know the history books are written by the fucking winners. So yeah. history books are written by who has the most money.
1: Yeah, and how accurate is like The Simpsons, man? Right, that's scary. How yeah. ahead of their time are they?
0: Right, and how much have they fucking done? How much will they do? How much? How much stuff? Do, I mean. Do you go back and start watching the episodes closer and seeing what what they were talking about? Like it's just it's just a cartoon, dude. Don't take this stuff too seriously. Uh the old uh predictive programming thing, uh which is a whole whole different topic for a whole different day, man. Um <laughs> but uh, dude, I don't know, man. You know, just fucking live. Just live, do whatever the fuck you want. Everyone has different experience than you. If you have someone who has a similar experience, cool. Talk about it. Uh, Listen to it, you know. See what it is, make your own fucking decisions. And it's okay to both be right. It's okay to both be wrong.
1: Ain't ain't nothing wrong with that, dude.
0: Yeah, ain't nothing fucking wrong with it. So, um, I know we didn't really talk about what, what I thought we were going to talk about, but that's usually how it works here on the Public Access podcast. Uh, so the Sean Young uh, does have places where you can contact him. Uh, Sean Young, uh, where can people contact you
1: here? So, so you can find me on find you. Apple, Spotify, and YouTube under Sitting with Sean. All my episodes are there. Just had one go out last night. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Sean Young, or you can find me at Sitting with Sean on Facebook. Uh, so also- hold
0: on, hold on. On Facebook, it's Sean Young. So people type in Sean Young. How are they going to notice you? Because this, they might just be listening to the podcast. What do you look like in your avatar,
1: I'm or a, what? I'm a bald guy with a big ass red beard. Okay, not red. So- not. It's more multicolored. It's technicolored, but still.
0: Yeah, big ass beard i got a big red beard and, pictures in too. black and white <laughs> pictures in black and white so you can tell that it's red you can so, tell, yeah
1: yeah that's the only one that's colored yeah <laughs>
0: so you get you have that you have the the podcast the podcast uh the instagram the facebook
1: yep yeah, so instagram and and my other facebook my official public figure page if you will is sitting with sean uh and also on tiktok it uh i am the beard of west virginia or beard of wb
0: okay cool well um yeah i think i can find all that i'll put that in the show notes so you guys if uh you can listen or you can pause it and go back or whatever you want to do i don't fucking care (laughs) whatever you guys want to do but um yeah dude thanks for coming on dude and uh you know, getting to chit-chat and shit and come into my fucking universe over here and uh, exchange time and shit. So, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I, every time, man. Thank you to everybody listening over there in my fucking, uh, I, you know fucking house was light tonight so i had to go and put all the chairs over there in one spot so it looks like really good on camera it looks like it's a full house but you know but thank you everyone for listening and thank you uh sean and that is the show